Good morning. We're reading from the book of Luke, from the very words of Jesus. We're studying, our pastors are taking us through the fruit of the Spirit this summer, and uh, our topic this morning, we've covered love, joy, peace, and patience. Our topic this morning is kindness. So from the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, we'll learn how to be kind to, of all people, our enemies. So join with me as I read, beginning verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give it to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Father, we thank you for your word and its instructions. We thank you for the life of Christ as he shared these words to us, strong and challenging words to us. Help us to, uh, to take away from today uh, how to be kind to our enemies and love one another in a way that would demonstrate our faith in you uh, to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill, for leading us in our scripture reading, and good morning. Good to see each and every one of you, as here we are the first weekend, the first Sunday of August, and school will be starting here soon. I reminded my boys they have one week left week and a half, and then their sulking faces just fell to the ground. So, but yet all the parents are excited, right? Amen? So no, it's, a, it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. This morning what we want to do is resume our summer series that we've been in called The Spirit Fruit. It's a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we've been looking at the nine fruits of the Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And this morning, our focus is going to be on the spirit fruit of kindness. Did you hear the story about the truck driver named Daryl Loomis? Perhaps you heard about it in the news, maybe you didn't. Each week he hauled goods from Cincinnati to Atlanta. And Joe's Diner was his favorite eating spot on his route from Cincinnati to Atlanta. Daryl always stopped for meals at Joe's. And one summer evening, Daryl parked his big rig and walked into the diner. And sitting down at his favorite seat, he ordered the usual meal, hot meatloaf sandwich, mashed potatoes, and an iced tea. In the distance came a roar and a cloud of dust, followed by the arrival into the parking lot. 
12 members of a motorcycle gang, all riding Harley-Davidson motorcycles. As the gang stopped into the dinner, they immediately spotted Daryl over in the corner, and they began to verbally harass him. Daryl remained silent, just continued eating his lunch, trying to ignore them the best that he could. That's when one biker grabbed his sandwich and started eating it. Another grabbed a handful of his mashed potatoes and plugged his ears with it. And another grabbed his iced tea and poured it over his head. Daryl just remained calm. He didn't respond. He simply continued to finish eating what was left of his dinner. And then he got up, silently paid his bill, and walked out the door. One of the bikers said to the waitress, Well, he's not much of a man, is he? Looking out the window of the diner, she replied, no, and he ain't much of a driver either. He just ran over 12 Harleys. <laughs> now, when it comes to our enemies, Daryl Loomis best captures the philosophy of our culture, which simply says, don't get mad, get even. Our natural response to such insults whether they're verbal or indignities, whether they're physical, is simply to retaliate. And if you want to stay ahead of such people, your enemies, or those who give you insults and indignities, the world's motto is, do unto others before they do unto you. But then Jesus comes along. Here in this passage in Luke. And He blows away this philosophy of our culture, when he tells his disciples, love your enemies. In fact, Jesus dropped not one, but four bombs that exploded in the face of his disciples when he says in Luke 26, 27, and 28, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, there's the first bomb. Do good to those who hate you, the second bomb. Hate uh, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, I don't know about you, but this may be the most difficult, most radical thing Jesus had ever said to His disciples up to this point. Even when we hear it now, being read to us in our Scripture reading, or even hear it now in church, we have a hard time believing that Jesus really means what He is saying. It seems rather impossible to us. It seems something that's just abstract. Oh, that's for that person or this person. That's for Jesus' disciples back then, but not for now. And yet, this is the standard that Jesus calls His followers to. Jesus calls us, we who claim to be His followers, to respond with this kind of radical kindness. So what is this kind of kindness? What is the spirit fruit of kindness? Well, here's a simple definition coming up on the screen. If you want to fill in your notes, you're welcome to. Kindness is the Christ-like response to those who are simply unkind. We could say it this way. Kindness is really love in action. In fact, what is the very first fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians 5. It is the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so now, kindness is simply taking that Spirit fruit of love and putting it into action. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient, love is 
kind. We tend to think of kindness, though, here in our culture, we tend to think of it as an adjective that describes a sweet little old lady. And we say something like, oh, isn't she so kind? She's so sweet. And while that is true, the emphasis here in Luke chapter 6 is that kindness is a verb. Kindness is in action. It's love in action. Lewis Meads, an author, calls kindness love's readiness to enhance the life of another person. But Jesus said it best in Luke 6.31 when he basically summarizes this kindness in action in what is often called, what is often known as the golden rule, when he says, as, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So we could give another definition of kindness here. A kindness based on the golden rule that Jesus gives us. Notice it in your notes. Kindness, then, is really treating others the way we wish to be treated. This is how we are to treat all people, regardless of how they treat you. Think about it. Our nature, though, our human nature, is to be unkind. We're often heartless in our dealings with other people. Why do you think Paul lists kindness as a fruit of the Spirit in which we are to bear in our lives as Christ followers? These Christ followers, in fact, that Paul was writing to in the book of Galatians, these Christ followers at the church of Galatia were anything but kind. You read through Galatians and you find that according to verses like Galatians 5.15, they were biting one another. They were devouring each other. They were consuming each other like a pack of wild dogs. And so now Paul comes to them like he comes to us and he lists this fruit of the Spirit, kindness. Kindness is not a normal trait in our human nature. Perhaps this explains why our culture is so characterized more by rudeness, harshness, crudeness, ugliness, than by kindness. Even though we may practice what is often referred to random acts of kindness, we simply cannot produce this kind of radical kindness that Jesus is talking about. We cannot produce the spirit fruit of kindness on our own. Listen, only God's Spirit can produce this kind of kindness that we're going to look at this morning. It's the kind of kindness that Jesus is calling each of us as His followers to practice and to display towards one another here in Luke chapter 6. So let's look at it for a few minutes this morning. Bearing the spirit fruit of kindness. Number one, kindness responds with love and not retaliation. Kindness responds with love, not retaliation. You see, Jesus blows away the old standard of kindness when he tells us in Luke 6, verse 27, three simple words, yet three powerful words, love your enemies. There's a book that's titled, Well-Intentioned Dragons. I don't know if any of you have read the book before, but the book basically talks about people who treat us badly. And in the book, it calls those people who treat us badly, it calls them dragons. The whole point of the book is this. You can summarize it in this one sentence. 
that in responding to those, quote, dragons, don't become a dragon yourself. Easier said than done, isn't it? I find that when I'm dealing with somebody who is a dragon, I want to breathe fire back in their face. But what does Jesus tell us? He simply says, love your enemies. But this leads us to a very practical question. We need to ask ourselves, well, you know, who are my enemies? So let me give you a definition here. Your enemy may be anyone who curses you, maybe anyone who hates you, anyone who mistreats you, anyone who offends you. Your enemy may be he or she who lives in your home, works at your job, or worships even at your church. You see, when we hear the word enemy, ever since 9-11, we tend to restrict the term enemy to terrorists who attack us. That's our mentality now for the last decade of enemies. And while they are public enemies of our nation, they are not necessarily my personal enemies. My personal enemies tend to be much closer to home, where I live, where I work, even where I worship. That's where many of our enemies will be found. And so the enemies that Jesus is calling us to love, the enemies Jesus is calling us to show radical kindness to, goes way beyond the nameless, faceless people that are out there. Yes, it includes those people. But it goes beyond those people to the very people we often already know and love. The people we live with, the people we work with, the people we worship with, and the people we play with. And sooner or later, it's those people that will hurt us. And at that point, at least at that moment in time, they will have become our enemies. And if we're honest enough to admit it, we have become their enemies too. That's why the words of Jesus here are so difficult to embrace. Because we're commanded to show kindness to people who have hurt us, mistreated us, insulted us, snubbed us, rejected us, offended us, or even abused us. It may be a spouse, it could be a husband, a wife, it may be a parent, a mom or a dad. It may be even your children, young, teens, or older. It may be a co-worker, it may be a neighbor, it may be a friend. And at that moment when they hurt you, they have become your personal enemy. So what does this radical kindness in action look like then? What does it look like? What does it mean? Well, in verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, number one, do good to those who hate you. Doing good to someone who hates you, it means seeing beyond your own pain and their meanness to their humanity. It means seeing them as people who are made in the image of God. And understanding that there's something twisted inside that causes them to do what they do. Someone who is, quote, too kind is sometimes described as kill them with kindness. Or they're killing with kindness. But it's also possible for us to actually, quote, cure with our kindness. In which it brings hope and healing to broken people. Hurting people. So doing good here means you do what will promote their healing despite the way they have treated you. The idea 
essence here, we could say, is you make the first move. You send the email. You send the text. You pick up the phone. You set up the meeting. You bridge the gap for reconciliation with that person. Why? Because Christ bridged the gap for you when you and I were the very enemy of God so that we could be reconciled to Him. So the first way we are to show kindness, what this looks like, Jesus says, is to do good to those who hate you. Love them, don't retaliate. Number two, he says, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Now, what does it mean to, quote, bless someone? And in particular, specifically here, those who curse you. Well, it's interesting, the word bless here actually means, literally, good words. In fact, we get our English word eulogize from the same Greek word here, bless. So does that mean we're to say nice things about the people who curse us after they die? When we're at their funeral, we have an obligation to stand up and and just talk about all the good things, even if it's not true about them? Not exactly. It's not what Jesus is talking about here. The idea is that when people insult us, we are to do just the opposite. We are to speak good words to them instead of insulting them back. So this kind of radical kindness, listen, it goes beyond just refusing to speak evil against someone who has insulted you. We actually are to take a positive step, and we are to take the next step and speak good words to them. It also means we are to speak good words about them to other people. We're not to tear them down verbally in front of their face, and neither are we to tear them down verbally behind their back. So the next time someone insults you, let me encourage you to practice Proverbs 15.1 and see what happens. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So speak good words to somebody who insults you, instead of insulting them back. That's kindness in action. That's love in action. Number three, pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Have you ever discovered that the people who mistreat you, they just, it, it kind of has this way of just dominating your thoughts. You just, you know, someone who hurt, has hurt you, someone who's mistreated you, they, they've offended you, perhaps, you just can't get them out of your mind. You go to bed at night, and, and their picture's in your mind. Their face is in your mind. You're, you're just fixed on it. Well, instead of allowing those negative thoughts to make you more miserable, Jesus has a solution here for us. He says, pray for that very person who has mistreated you, offended you, insulted you, whatever the case may be. Now, before you get all excited, Jesus isn't talking about praying for that person to get run over by a truck or to get hit by lightning. The prayer Jesus has in mind here is always, get this, for that person's good. It may be a prayer for their repentance. It may be a prayer for their salvation. It may be that they would awaken to the very hurt in their hearts or the hurt they are causing you. Whatever the prayer, Jesus is calling us not just to do good things to them, He's also calling us to want the very best for them and to express that desire, to express that want in our prayers for them. 
And in praying for their best, get this, this is awesome. God will keep you at your best. You see, praying for your enemy, that one who mistreats you, offends you, insults you, will keep you from becoming that bitter person, that resentful person, that hostile person that nobody wants to be around. So pray for those who mistreat you. It's kindness in action. It's love in action. Number four, greet those who offend you. This fourth way to show kindness is not found in Luke's version of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here, but it is found over in Matthew's version. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 47, he says, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Now, stop here for a moment with me, because this may be one of the most difficult things that Jesus is telling us. It's certainly the one I think we here in this room, in this auditorium, struggle with the most. And yet, showing kindness to people who offend you includes greeting them graciously when you see them. You see, oftentimes, instead of turning the other cheek, man, we just turn our whole body away from them. So we don't have to say hello to them. Because they've hurt me. They've offended me. I don't want to talk to them. How many of us have looked the other way? We've ducked into the bathroom. We've walked down a different hallway. We sat at a different table or even used caller ID to keep from greeting someone who has hurt us. But Jesus calls us to show kindness to our enemies by greeting them instead of avoiding them. Now, here's the thing I love most about Jesus here in dealing with this subject, in dealing with this passage we're looking at. He doesn't just give us this abstract principle about kindness and then just kind of leave it hanging in the air for us to figure out of what it means, what it looks like, how to put it in practice. No, he gives us four practical ways this kindness in action or this kindness looks like in action. And then just in case we don't get it, just in case we missed what he was saying here, just in case we were texting instead of paying attention or searching the web or whatever the case may be on our smartphones, Jesus gives us now two illustrations of kindness in action. He gives us some examples here. It might be like if I said, now, if somebody cuts you off while driving, this is how you should respond. Or it would be, if someone at work gossips about you, then this is what you should say. In other words, what Jesus is going to do for us here in these next verses is he's going to get very concrete in describing how this kindness that he's just given to us will show itself in different circumstances in which we encounter in our lives. Notice what he says. Look at it, verses 29 and 30. He says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Now, a lot of people reading this, and I have to be honest with you, it's crossed my mind as well. I mean, who of us here doesn't read these words and we think to ourselves, oh, man, he's getting way too carried away now. 
Jesus has fallen off his rocker. He has gone over the top. I could hang with him for the most part on what he said about, you know, love your enemies, do good to those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, greet those who offend you. But this, oh, I don't know. Jesus, you know. I mean, he is calling for a kindness that is certainly counterculture to the society in which we live. He's calling for a kindness that goes way beyond what I can muster for myself. It's radical. Notice this. Two illustrations. Let's look at it. Of kindness in action. First of all, I want to pose it as a question. Have you been insulted with a slap in the face? Have you been insulted with a slap in the face? If so, don't seek revenge. Don't retaliate. A slap in the face is demeaning. It's insulting. In fact, in Jesus' day, this probably refers to a slap with the back of your hand on somebody's face. Dr. Joachim Jeremias is one of the most respected scholars about Jewish life during the time of Jesus. And he writes, listen, I quote what he says. The term slaps you on the right cheek refers not to a painful blow delivered in an assault, but to the intentionality, insulting, backhanded slap designed to express the greatest possible contempt and challenge. In other words, here's, what this, here's the idea of this. In Jesus' day, in that culture in which he's writing to his disciples here, striking someone's cheek was more of an insult than it was an act of violence. So this... What Jesus is telling us, it's a warning against retaliation and revenge. Now, let's be honest. Few of us ever get hit with a physical slap in the face. It doesn't happen a whole lot here in our culture where we try to insult somebody and we actually slap them. Some of you may experience that. But here's what I do know. Most of us do get hit with verbal slaps in the face. We've encountered that before. Family members. Church members, co-workers, neighbors, friends. You, you, I mean, it happens all the time. It may come from people at work, our neighbors. It may even come, you, you name it. And when someone slaps us verbally, what do most of us do? What's our natural tendency? I mean, we slap them back, right? But Jesus says, don't retaliate. Instead, kindness turns the other cheek. You may object and you may say, whoa, whoa, but those words hurt, Bruce. He insulted me. She insulted me. I'm supposed to just stand there and take it? Well, of course those words hurt. But as Christ followers, we are called to endure insults with peace and patience, just as Jesus did when he was reviled. And he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, according to 1 Peter 2, 23. We're his followers. We are to act like him. We are to imitate him. The next example Jesus gives us has to do with your rights when it comes to your stuff. So the first example is, have you been insulted with a slap in the face? Don't seek revenge. The second example here is, have you been cheated out of your stuff? Have you been cheated out of your stuff? If so, don't demand retribution. 
Here Jesus calls us to have a giving spirit that is more concerned about the needs of other people than about the protection of our stuff. Listen to what it says in Exodus 22, verses 26 and 27. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset. Because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. Now, this is Old Testament law here that God has given to his people, the children of Israel, to help them get along with one another, help society be civil, if you will. So what does it mean? What's it talking about? Well, you could give your cloak, in other words, your outer garment, like, kind of like our coats, uh, you could give it as a pledge or as collateral, collateral for a loan. If you were short on money, you need to borrow some money, you would give your outer, your outer coat as a collateral or pledge as a loan, for a loan. But it was only temporary. The cloak or the coat had to be returned by evening so you wouldn't be cold at night. Under the Old Testament law here, in other words, what we find is that a person had rights to protect their stuff. But Jesus comes along, and he turns those rights upside down. He says, in effect, hey, forget about your rights. Instead of demanding that they give you back your coat, hey, give them your shirt also. And leave the judgment on that person in God's hands. Now, whoa, this is radical, to say the least, especially in our rights-driven culture. If you've ever been cheated, if you've ever been mistreated, and you have legal options, that is, you have rights that you can enforce, it's tough to sit back and say, I won't demand retribution. I won't search the internet for a lawyer and sue that person. It's tough to say that. At the end of verse 30, Jesus says, look at it, look what he says. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Now the context here is not so much about stealing. He's not talking about someone who comes in your house and steals your stuff. But rather, it's more about borrowing. And we all have at least one of those people in our lives. You know, that neighbor, that friend who borrows your stuff without ever returning it, and then, get this, they have the audacity to come back to you and ask if they could borrow something else. And they have yet to return what they borrowed in the first place. And they're at your, oh, by the way, can I borrow that shovel? And you're like, well, where's my lawnmower? And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. And our natural response to that person, that individual, well, some of us, we're so concerned about somebody taking advantage of us that we never now give anything to anyone. But Jesus calls us here to err on the side of generosity, kindness. Jesus says rather than making them pay retribution, we should be ready to forgive their debts. So what we are learning here from these examples, from these illustrations, is that kindness responds with what? Love, not retaliation. Which is summarized in the golden rule, 
Kindness is treating others the way we wish to be treated. Now, step back for a moment. Just pause here with me on this golden rule. Kindness is treating others the way we wish to be treated. The golden rule, by the way, deals a death blow to our selfishness. Let me say that again. The golden rule deals a death blow to our selfishness. Because to follow this rule, to put this rule into practice, to embrace this rule, we must think of others before ourselves. Think about it this way. Kindness and selfishness are incompatible. If you're selfish, you will have a hard time being kind. And if you're kind, you're not selfish. Kindness and selfish are incompatible. The reason most of us here this morning don't respond with kindness is because we love self more than we love the other person. We want to retaliate. We want to get revenge instead of leaving that in God's hands. And yet, even selfish people can muster up enough love to show a little bit of kindness, can't they? Every one of us in this room, we can determine enough, we can grit and grind enough, and we can push out of us enough kindness, enough love, to show it to somebody, even our enemies. As Frank Burns said on the TV show MASH, how many remember Frank Burns on MASH? If you're over the age of 40, you remember Frank Burns on MASH. He said, it's nice to be nice to nice people. It's nice to be nice to nice people. How true that is. But that doesn't win any points with the Lord. Why? Because even selfish people are nice to nice people. Listen, it's easy to show kindness to people who love you, at least to some extent. But who? Here's the question. Who is able to show kindness to people who hate you? Only someone whose life has been touched by the grace of God, who loved his enemies so much that he sent his son to die for their sins. You see, the very idea of showing kindness to our enemies takes us right to the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why there's a huge difference between the Spirit's kindness and the world's kindness. In fact, notice this in your notes coming up on the screen. The Spirit's radical kindness far exceeds the world's standard of kindness. Look what Jesus says in Luke Luke 6, verses 32 and 35. Jesus gives us these comparisons now between the Spirit's kindness and the world's kindness. Look what he says starting in verse 32. If you love those who love you, hey, what credit is that to you? It's like Jesus saying, big deal. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that too. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. And then he turns this word but. It's the pivot. 
in these verses. It's the turning point in these verses. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. In each case here, kindness is shown on the assumption of a reciprocal relationship or act. Almost anyone, in other words, can show this kind of kindness because ultimately this kind of kindness, the world's kindness, is based on what? It's based on selfish interest. So most people are willing to love people who love them in return. It's as the saying goes, hey, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. They, even may, they may even be willing to let people borrow their stuff as long as they're sure they'll get it back. It's always tit for tat with the world's kindness. But Jesus is asking us, well, what kind of love is that? You see, the love that Jesus calls us to show, to put into action, and what we're calling kindness, is much more radical than what the world understands and knows. It's not only for our friends, it's for our enemies. This radical kindness is not limited to people who love you, help you, and repay you. But it goes beyond that. It extends to people who hate you, curse you, and mistreat you. This is because it's not based on self-interest. Rather, this radical kindness comes from the loving kindness we ourselves have received from God Almighty. And now, we have the grace to show it to others. So here, the Spirit's radical kindness, it not only responds with the love of God, but get this, it also reveals the loving kindness of God. Which brings us to our second point. Kindness reveals the very kindness and love of God. Notice what Jesus says in verses 35 and 36. He says, And you will be children of the Most High. It's in reference to our God. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Now, don't miss this, okay? Because this, this is full. This is packed full of truth. Powerful truth. Get this here, every time you and I, every time that we respond with the Spirit's radical kindness, it reveals the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. And, and it shows to ourselves and to others that we are truly children of God. That we have been touched, if you will, by His grace. We have experienced His grace. We have now entered into the kingdom of God. We are now part of His family. We've been redeemed. We've been adopted. And we're His children. Now, this doesn't mean, this doesn't earn us a relationship with God, but it certainly marks us as His children. In other words, the family resemblance will be unmistakable when we respond with God's loving kindness. You see, it is the very 
character of God to show kindness and mercy and to show those virtues to his enemies. God shows his loving kindness to evil, ungrateful people every day of this world's history. He does it by giving us life and strength. He does it by sustaining the glorious universe where we live. He does it by sending the rain from heaven, which He showers on both the godly and the ungodly alike. But God has shown His loving kindness, ultimately, how? In sending His Son Jesus to die for the very people who hated Him and rebelled against Him, who mistreated Him, who abused Him, who cursed at Him. In fact, the greatest display of God's loving kindness is described for us by the Apostle Paul in Titus 3, verses 3 through 4. It's in your notes. Look at it with me. Look what it says. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, what did He do? He saved us. And then get this. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Why then? Why then should we show kindness who people, let's be honest, don't deserve it? Because this is what God has done for you and for me. And now, as His children as Christ followers, we are called now to respond with God's love to people who don't deserve it in our opinions. And as we do, we will reveal the very loving kindness of God to them. Is this radical? Absolutely. Is this possible? Yes, but not on your own. So how can we do this? Where does this kind of power come from to love like this? To show this kind of radical kindness? Well, let me close with two implications here. Number one, responding with kindness is radical. I think we would all agree with that. Therefore, we must rely on the Spirit. We must rely on the power of God's Spirit working in our lives. There is no other way, folks. We cannot produce this kind of kindness from within ourselves. We can't do it on our own. Yes, we can muster up enough love, enough kindness to do some random acts of kindness, but we will never on our own show this kind of radical kindness. This is a fruit of the Spirit. So we must rely on the Spirit to bear this fruit in our lives. So let me ask you, are you walking in the Spirit? Are you keeping in step with the Spirit? Are you letting the Spirit control your life? Are you submitting or yielding yourself to the Spirit? So responding with kindness is radical, but we must rely on the Spirit to practice it, to show it to respond with love. Number two, the second implication, is responding with kindness is an opportunity to show Christ. It is an opportunity to show Christ. 
Did you know that the Greek word for Christ and the Greek word for kind are quite similar? Christ and kind. These two Greek words are very, very, very similar. In fact, the word for kindness is krestos, and the Greek word for Christ is Christos. One letter. Difference. That's it. One is C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S. Kindness, or kind. The other is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S. Christ. It is said that in the early years of Christianity that the unbelievers actually confused these words for kindness in Christ. They got them mixed up. They confused them. They couldn't tell them apart. They couldn't decide if Christianity was a religion based on someone named Christ or a religion based on kindness. Now that's cool. That's awesome. Because I think to myself, wow, just imagine if I, just imagine if you, just imagine if people that came in contact with us here this morning would be so confused because of our radical kindness that shows Christ. With your heads bowed, let's pray. As the praise team comes, as normal, as we do at the end of each service, it's our time to respond to God's Word, a time to respond to what we have heard. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Who do you need to show kindness to this morning? I'm sure we all can name one person. We can picture their face in our minds even now. Who do you struggle to respond with love? Who's that person who just goats at you, gets you, presses your buttons, irritates you, maybe even mistreats you, verbally abuses you? Who do you need to show kindness to? And I would encourage you to to come to God this morning and ask Him to forgive you for being unkind if that describes you. And then ask God to produce the spirit fruit of kindness in your life. I would also encourage all of us here to give thanks, gratitude for God's loving kindness that He has shown to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is our time to respond right where you're seated.